Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. To Dunn. Watch out. Oh, oh, what are you doing? He threw him out of the ball game. You got to be beeping me. What in the hell are you doing? What are you doing, Wagner? You got to be kidding me. That is so bad. That is absolutely brutal. That's incredible. That is unbelievable. I'll tell you what. They have got to start making guys be accountable. That is totally absurd. That just tells you he has blue. Here's an umpire in the American League knows nothing about the game of baseball. That's unbelievable. We have always had problems with this guy right here. What are you doing, Wagner? Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosalind and Mike Esposito. He's in for Mark Grody. Espo, Grody and I started this segment, sort of, what are you doing during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. We're doing odd, unusual, interesting things because the normal things that we covered weren't going on. So sure. that's what we started doing. We started looking around and and it's quickly developed into our our headlines star shined <clears throat> event of trash panda updates signature so tra- segment yeah so trash panda's signature solo which features Alice and Shooter sometimes and today features <laughs> a motor vehicle so why don't you give us an update trash panda all right i think the war is pretty much over with the raccoons at my parents so after they caught the one last week they uh, they left the trail cam up and they discovered another one walking around. <laughs> so I think that, I think that they I just I actually just a couple minutes ago got a text from my mom. She said she said that she thinks they're waving the white flag. So I think they're giving up. It's it's probably not hurting anything at this point, but it's just more of a nuisance. So uh-huh. there's that. I think that's pretty much. I don't know what else there is to say about that. They're waving the white we, flag. We it was a hard this- fought war. We had the suggestion last week that I'm not sure we got to, but I know, I know I didn't hear your thoughts on it. Did you ever, guys? Do you guys ever do the cayenne hot sauce spray? The sort of outline yes. the homestead in in that kind of spicy stuff that they don't. They're gringo trash pandas. They don't really have a taste for it. I, as far as I'm aware, they didn't try that. I know they tried the ammonia thing. Oh. But okay. I don't think we they tried the, the hot chili stuff. Pepper, the problem Tabasco is, it's, you know, it's not a small house. There's a lot of area you would have to cover. So, I mean, I guess they could try that, but I don't know if, I, I don't know if they really want to take the time to do that or go that far or what. So, I, I don't know. And, and right, I can so. tell you, though, Steve, we, we out here in the sticks here in Arlington Heights, we have certainly tried the, the, the hot peppers, the, uh, the spices. We have... We have whether it's rabbits or whatever digging in our backyard and in our front yard, for that matter. Um, we have tried it to varying degrees of success. So that that is. Wait, you have trash panda problems in the leafy oh, I, residential suburb? We do. Well, I, I have. You know, I'm I'm a city kid, born and raised, and I've lived there my whole life until the last uh, 2016 was when we moved out here to the leafy uh, suburban paradise that is Arlington Heights, which we do in fact love, but. It's a lot more, you know, there, there's a lot more critters out here uh, than, than what we were used to uh, living, living in the city limits. And, uh, yeah, I've got, 
Uh, let's see. Over the years, we've had skunks, rabbits, raccoons, uh, possum. So we we definitely have that. All, and, manner, and all manner of woodland varmints. We do. We, we, we all of a sudden have developed, uh, I believe it's rabbits, digging holes uh, across my front, and, uh, front lawn and in my backyard. So um, I did, at the suggestion of the multi-hued one, uh, put some some uh, hot and spicy. Uh, I forget the exact spice, but I sprayed it all over the holes to try to keep them out of there. And yeah, you know, who the heck knows? But that is what we did. I, you know what? I both, both you guys just go get the 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 spicy, the spicy Cheetos. Just do that and <laughs> spread them in like like it's a yeah. fence around. And just Come here, Mr. Them. Rabbit. Yeah, trash panda. Tell tell Alice and Shooter to try try to do that. No, those are too good, man. I'm not wasting those. Oh, okay. Well, it's in the protection of your family's old homestead. So what about this motor vehicle thing, this newfangled newfangled transportation thing you had trouble with? (laughs) All right. So I did talk about this with Joe the other night. So if anyone heard that before, that's fine. But that was also a shorter segment. So anyway, what day was this? This was Wednesday. At some point on Wednesday... In the intervening time between when I got home from working the overnight here at the score, which I don't do very often. Mm-mm. And so I got home from that at about 530 in the morning, parked on my street. I actually got a quick run in and then I you know, went into my house. I didn't come back outside until 12 hours later when I'm going to my girlfriend's house. So I come out to where my car is. And I didn't even notice anything at first. I just tried opening the door, noticed that it only opened about a quarter of the way. And then I look at, you know, the, the panel above the wheel well, and I noticed that it's smashed in a little. And there's a nice little dent there. And someone had clearly reared into me somehow and smashed part of their taillight because I could see the glass on the ground. And obviously, there's no note because there's no decent people in this city, apparently. That is like, all I'm asking for... Is leaving? No, like I don't even care that much about the car. Honestly, I don't. The car has over two hundred thousand miles on it. It's a two thousand seven Civic. I was probably pretty close to getting rid of it anyway. It still drives, but and I. But the other thing is too. This car's had so many problems this year. I had to get a new battery just a few weeks ago. It had a flat tire. It still has a hole in the radiator that I need to get fixed. And now this, which it's just like another thing on top of all this, and. All they had to do was leave a damn note, and I wouldn't have cared. All they had to say on the note, all they would have had to say was, Hey, man, sorry I hit your car. My name's Phil. I don't have insurance. My bad. That would have been enough for me. I'd have been like, all right, at least I got an admittance from Phil that he hit my car. I'll move on with my life and talk to my insurance. And, of course, it would have been great if the guy would leave a number and we could talk it out. But he didn't. And, therefore, I assume he's the worst person on the planet. He or she is the worst person on the planet. Yeah, and I think, uh, Adam, with uh, having done this with uh, an older car with a ton of miles on it, your insurance, as you say, is not going to pony up any cash to fix that old car. They're going to oh. say, stop dumping money into this thing and I, go buy a new car. I doubt they will. I did. I went ahead. Luckily, I have a friend that's uh, a C- CPD officer. Okay. And she advised me to go ahead and f- file a hit-and-run report because it will help with insurance. So I did. She went, she actually did that for me, but I I have yet to talk to my insurance. I know I, I have pretty decent comprehensive coverage, I believe, but I've never been in a situation like this, so I don't know what they'll say to me. I'm guessing they'll say, "Dude, just get rid of the car," which is probably what yeah. I'm going to do at this point. <laughs> they're they're going to tell you, "Dude, your deductible is is higher than what uh, that car is worth." So. Why don't you go get a new car? That's my exactly what they're is gonna actually, tell you. My deductible is actually not that high. It's like less than $300. Oh, well. So I might be able to do get something, but I, I don't know. I gotta, first, I got to find out how much the damage would be to cost. They might be able to just pop it out a little bit. Because right now, if I go over any form of a bump, I hear the tire <laughs> scraping up against the top of the wheel well. Because the t- that outside part got smashed in, and so there's not as much room between the tire and the top of the, the panel and so anytime you over a bump you hear it scra- scrape on the wheel so you don't get that when you're out and out in the uh, the out great outback where alice and the shooter live you you just got your horse and buggy back there and you don't have to worry about <laughs> wheel wells do you well there's also decent people out there who won't hit your car without leaving a note 
If anything, they'll hit your car and then come knock on your door and say, hey, I hit your car. Let's talk about it. They right. won't just leave you hanging like a complete jackass. Hit your car with a with some buckshot as I was shooting at a trash panda. Hey, yes. I wish you the best of luck with that trash panda. I'm sorry that happened. It's a frustrating thing. A 708 texter, by the way, Adam, uh -huh. says he, he will give you $83 for your 2007. You know what? Toss in a bottle of bourbon and we'll call it a deal. <laughs> All right. So anyways, I went this week I went, um, started reading about Joe Madden's Angels mm -hmm. and their social distancing practices. And I end up diving down a rabbit hole of dirt bags. And here's how I got there. Blair Field is their version of like Boomer Stadium. The White Sox are using Boomer Stadium. The Cubs are using their South Bend Stadium, right? As they were the taxi squad mm -hmm. that overflow, whatever. So the Angels are in Anaheim behind the orange curtain. And Blair Field is in Long Beach, which is just on the other side, the, the uh, other side of the orange curtain. So it's long been a facility that has been used, among other things, the Chicago Cubs had spring training at the ballpark in 1966. The Rams have trained there. Olympic teams have been there. It's the Long Beach State, and, and it is the home of the former 49ers baseball team. That's what they, Long Beach State was called, the 49ers. Now they are known, I had no idea, and I'm from Southern California, they are known as the dirt bags. They are known as the dirt bags. And Troy Tulowitzki is a former dirt bag, and he donated money to make a uh, to create a batting facility. Jared Weaver. He's a former dirt bag. He donated <laughs> money for a bullpen, and this apparently happened that um, Dave Snow took over the team, and. He inherited a program that was that sucked, and it was perfect for this show. So over the course of the season, infield coach Dave Malpass would routinely take his players to a local pony field for practices because they were attracting guys, the what they called hard-nosed guys with something to prove. So the infield coach referred to it as Dirtbag Field. Hmm. And as the season progressed, Dave Snow liked the name, and they became the Dirtbags, and that's the name of the baseball team, the Dirtbags, and they would eventually make a, earn a berth in the College World Series. The Dirtbags. <laughs> it's just... It's got I a nice ring to it. I, yeah, I, that's what I was doing. I was tracking this down. I'd, I'd buy a Dirtbags hat if there was one that I could find. I did not look up that logo, um, but there is a... Um, there is one of the, the at one time, because this is a, a logo that the uh, I'm Fat podcast would approve of, and Ooh. it was the Connecticut, or the Hartford Yard Dogs, Yard Goats, I'm sorry, it's the Yard Goats, so they did all this crap and whatever, and they, because parts of Connecticut are famous for their steamed hamburgers, and if you read the process, it kind of steams all the taste out of it. But they love their steamed hamburgers. So they had a steamed hamburger night in which they created a ball cap that looked like a cheeseburger. <laughs> it looked like a cheeseburger. I know so two was, guys who would buy that. Well, no, they'd want to eat the cheeseburger. So oh, the, Bernie Miklas, former columnist at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and a talk show host there and, and is was casting about, is casting about for his next bit of employment. So what he was doing this week um, in What Are You Doing, Wagner, he was sharing Bob Gibson stories. I brought him up when talking about Lucas Giolito, mm -hmm. his dad. His dad said, read this about Bob Gibson. Read this about the man who forced the majors to change the height of the mound because of his 1968 season where he had a 1.12 ERA. So this is, Bernie's telling the story, and this will be, radio listeners will love this, you and I will love this, Espo, P Trash Panda will love this, because it's about a radio remote. If I may, Miklas begins, another Bob Gibson story. I was hosting a show 
For the great KMOX. It was a Monday night at Mike Shannon's. That's a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It was hectic. Lots of people in noise. Gibson was there, part of the show, along with Lou Brock and Ozzy Smith. During a break, trying to keep everything under control, I had a producer telling me to do this, do that. He meant well. But it was chaos. Gibson noticed. He asked, you're hosting this show, correct? (laughs) This is Bob Gibson, Mm -hmm. a guest on a radio show. He says, you're hosting this show, correct? And Bernie says, in parentheses, me. Yes, sir. Gibson, quote, then take charge. That's your job. Gibson didn't say it in an annoyed or disrespectful way. He was just bugged that someone was distracting me through the headphones, and this bothered him. So he gave me the order to take charge, do my thing, and ignore the producer. (laughs) This is your show, correct? Then take charge, do your job. That's Bob Gibson. That's a guest. As a guest on a radio show, the ferocious Bob Gibson was telling the host how to do his job. Okay, Bob, first of all, don't tell the host not to listen to his producer because the producer is the one that runs the damn show. So the host should be defaulting to the producer on things like that. Because when things go bad on the show, the producer is the first one who gets the talking to. Now, now this this is true. We do know that that uh, Mitch's first stop, if he's if he's annoyed with something with the show, will be Adam. But I will also say to you, Adam, do you know who Bob Gibson is? Yes, I know who Bob Gibson is. Okay, I wouldn't argue with Bob Gibson. I wouldn't plan on robbing uh, Robbie. Robin? I wouldn't plan on arguing with wow. Bob Gibson, but uh-huh. I had defense about that. Okay, you're you're allowed to. That's fine. Thanks for sharing. Um, Alec. <laughs> Alec Thomas, who is a Diamondback center fielder, he tweeted this out. There was video of him batting against Madison Bumgarner, now a Diamondback. So they're doing the whole inter-squad thing, the way the Cubs and Sox are, all the teams are doing it. And Alec Thomas's tweet says, Bumgarner's dad used to umpire my games in North Carolina when I was in Little League. Now I got the chance to face Madison funny how things play out and he flied to left field how's that madison bumgarner's dad is umpiring your baseball games and now you're facing bumgarner i love that that is just that's baseball's circle of life yep do you know who hey espo do you know who philip blanks is philip blanks i do not not off the top of my head no Hmm. okay he was in the news this week and it's some of the most spectacular video you'll ever see. He's 28. He was a um, former U.S. Marine, a former oh, football player yep. at Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo Central High School. He is in Phoenix. He's working security and bodyguard work. And there's a third story on fire, an apartment house on fire. And there is a... There is a woman screaming at the top. She has kids. The balcony is on fire. She's out on the balcony. She has a a toddler, an infant, mm-hmm. and she's being engulfed in flames. She has no choice <clears throat> but to throw him over the side. There is another civilian standing there. Again, this is Philip Blanks. He is <clears throat> coming out of, you don't see him in the screen. There's somebody else standing there, and out of nowhere, this former receiver slides under, knocks the guy over, slides under, catches the child before it hits the ground, saves its life, and then immediately pops up and runs it to safety and saved the child's life. I did see this. Oh, my God. God. I just did I did not know his name, but I did see the video, and uh, I actually learned yesterday that the mother who uh, threw the uh, uh, the child off the balcony did not make it. But uh, a very sad story. But it, I mean, the Philip Blanks part uh, where he he because the kid 
was literally thrown off of the third floor balcony. If you haven't seen this, it's it's all over the place on Twitter and on social media. But he did. He made a diving catch of the kid and saved the kid's life. He uh, he was quoted by uh, MLive.com, Michigan uh, website. Uh, I wasn't able to grab my grab my shoes. I ran down the stairs barefoot, and then started looking to see who needed help because he heard the screaming and the yelling and quote. As I was running, I see the baby getting ready to be tossed out of the patio, meaning over the balcony, into the patio area. Quote, next thing you know, he's helicoptering in the air, and I catch him, which is wildly underplaying what he did, because he had to slide, he had to get there, he had to make perfect timing of it. Blank said the child's foot was injured in the fall, and you could see a body part kind of hit the ground, but his major organs were protected. Blank said... His skin was melting off of his body. He mm-hmm. was bleeding. And he was searching the area hospitals for the child to see what became of him. I did not see the follow-up, Espo, that the mom didn't make it. But given the amount of flames, I'm not, unfortunately, yep. not surprised. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great story and a sad story all at the same time. Um that was an intense fire, and actually, as as soon as you said his name, I'm like, no, I don't. Why don't I know who Philip Blanks is? And I pulled it up, and then I immediately saw the video. I'm like, I, I certainly saw this. Um, I just didn't know the the guy's name, right. but yeah, that's uh, uh, pretty heartbreaking. And also, like you said, with with the uh, uh, the save, whatever you want to call it, the catch uh, of the kid. That's that's certainly yeah. He, it was spectacular ran in there, video. He ran in there, just, right. Yeah. He ran in there to help when he, you know, there was certainly nothing making him aside from his desire to, to try to help somebody else, right? So, right. So we celebrate uh, that. I want to I offer words to live by in these challenging times. Um, they come from Mookie Wilson. They've been quoted before, but I do think it's, it's you don't want to, he was the original Mookie. You don't want to lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to lose sight of his words. When I'm in a slump, I comfort myself by saying, if I believe in dinosaurs, then somewhere they must be believing in me. And if they believe in me, then I can believe in me. And then I bust out. I just thought that's a very important thought that we should all hold dear to our chest in these challenging times. I have Philosopher, some more Mookie Wilson. I, have, I know. I have some more items for what are you doing, Wagner? including an anniversary we need to get to. So we'll take a break. We'll come back, and later on this hour, we will replay Steve Stone's visit to Inside the Clubhouse. You've got Saturday Suckage. Oh, we need to get to the Trash Panda search for the Encyclopedia of Suck. We'll get to that next segment. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosen with Mike Esposito with you, Chicago Sports Radio 6 Up and Score. Finishing up some of the what are you doing, Wagner items. Uh, what's going on around the world and pandemic, what they're doing during the pandemic. So, um, Trash Panda, update us on your search for the encyclopedia of suck that you went on no, a I can't couple find breaks it. ago. I have can't no idea where it, it is. Yeah, I it's think, gone. I think they cleaned out everything, right? So they probably threw that away, and they have no respect for history. Well, there was... <laughs> clearly. There was there was the, this file cabinet in the update studio, and that got moved at some point to a location that I don't know. So if I, I figure if I find the file cabinet, I can find the encyclopedia, or at least get a lead. And then you'll find the one-armed man. Yeah, yeah. Rogue, so Rogue, you know, i got to pull all the crews mm-hmm. together. So I'm going to have to wait until next week to get a, a more thorough investigation going. Okay. All right. It hey, was there on March 13th. That's all I can report. Into, yeah. It was it, there. On, on Espo's watch, it stayed safe. So, See, that's what the years. problem was. Espo left and the Guardians, like, and I right. wasn't aware of it or I would have grabbed it. So the Guardian was taken away and that was, that was it. Okay. Well, well, you continue that search for that. For that encyclopedia suck and it sucks that you have to keep <laughs> looking for it but that's that's life and saturday suckage 40 years ago 40 years ago this week we're celebrating an anniversary of a one of the greatest movies ever was released espo do you have an idea you want to guess? Uh, it's a comedy I, i'll tell you it's a comedy i do uh, it's a comedy oh. and it it revolves around golf nope Not no a- oh well i i think i know what it is it's it's a chicago Comedy based comedy, correct? Not the one. Or should I'm I say? About. Is no. it based in Juliet? No. No. You All right. Well, know. then you you've got me stumped. I thought it was Caddyshack. So please. <laughs> Surely you. you jest. I don't jest. Don't call me Shirley. Oh, airplane. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> you tell your father to try Dragon Walton and Lanier Walton and Lanier, yeah. For 40 minutes. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency 123.9er. Roger. Huh? Request vector. <laughs> Over. What? Flight 209er, clear for vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Howard radio clearance. Over. That's Clarence over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. Who? <laughs> 40 years oh, ago, Abraham Zucker, that was what was listed as the director. It, it, it grew out of a childhood friendship with David Zucker and Jerry Zucker, the brothers, and Jim Abrahams. And they were attending Madison. They went to University of Wisconsin in Madison. And that's where they created the Kentucky Fried Theater. Does that sound mm. familiar to you all? Uh, yeah. What, is, the, is the Kentucky Fried movie that uh, I, I know of yep. uh, from that? Yes. I believe it is, yes. And that included Chevy Chase's fingers, among other things, in the Kentucky Fried movie. Uh-huh. Which was, um, and, they, the, and also the famous product Brown 25. And you have to watch the find the movie. Mm-hmm. I can't talk about. I'm not going to talk no, about it. No, well, let's not Anyways, talk about that. Here's the thing that the they they used they got off the three guys got off on watching, you know, things like the, this nerd stuff, old movies. Miss the the one of the movies they used to love was Zero Hour Exclamation Point, and it was. Esquire describes that movie as a preposterously straight-faced 1957 B-movie starring Dana Andrews and Sterling Hayden, two serious actors. So you understand where this is going with Leslie Nielsen and, and Robert Stack and Lloyd Bridges. Mm-hmm. 
I picked a hell of a week to give up glue snipping. The plot, such as it was, revolved around a commercial flight in which the plane's pilots and passengers suffered from food poisoning, forcing an ex-World War II fighter pilot to step into the cockpit and land the airliner in heavy fog. So they're watching this movie and they realize how ripe it was for parody. They would continue to watch it and pause it and then all the shtick came out of that. They would watch the movie and somebody would pause it, one of the three would pause it and they go, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. That's how Airplane got, that's how it became a screenplay. They would just all these shtick together. Mm-hmm. And the head of Paramount Theater, after everyone, a whole bunch of people in town rejected it, rejected it, rejected it, because the comedies coming out were, were at the time, were like, um, I think it was, um, they, after after Animal House and people were looking for for whatever they could do, whatever, Smokey and the Bandit was one of the big comedies that summer, Cheech and Chong, um, and certainly The Empire Strikes Back was coming out. And all of a sudden, here's this, this screenplay getting kicked around, nobody wants to make it. Well, Michael Eisner decided to make it. He was then the head of Paramount. And he, he threw $3.5 million at it because he thought, there's really no downside to this. And then you end up with these guys being, be creating legendary characters. Leslie Nielsen would go on to, you know, Naked Gun. He's the umpire, and he's doing the whole mm-hmm. outlandish dance, right? But in Airplane, um, Robert Hayes' part was written for David Letterman. You're kidding me. I had never I'm, heard that. I'm, I'm not kidding you. And Robert Hayes beat out Bruce Jenner oh for boy. the role of Ted Stryker. <laughs> Julie Haggerty's role was written. I'm sorry, Julie Haggerty's role, she beat out Sigourney Weaver and Shelley Long. I could wow. so see Shelley Long doing that in that whiny voice of hers, right? Yeah, she for sure. That. And then all of a sudden you see the Lloyd Bridges, Leslie Nielsen, Peter Graves, you see all the serious actors doing it and they're they they were told that they signed on when they read the but they were told pretend you don't know you're in a comedy yeah <laughs> and they did well you i mean like the, yeah. the beauty of it right is and i'm sorry i didn't mean to to uh interrupt oh. there you, you've got peter graves and you've got uh lloyd bridges and leslie nielsen and they're you know playing it straight and but it's totally off the wall and i have no idea where kareem abdul jabbar came from but that also was uh hilarious as well and the roger rogers stuff that you guys just played um but right that's the beauty of it is that there's all this all of this just zaniness and they're all playing it straight right yeah that's that's and, and it's not that Caddyshack didn't come out 40 years ago. It's that that wasn't the movie I was talking about because the, the, there's such a wonderful story about um, Airplane. And it mm-hmm. you know, came, from, came from three guys sitting around in, in Madison. I just, I just loved that, the whole idea. I, used, I went to see Kentucky Fried Theater in L.A. And I saw the live theater and then saw the Kentucky Fried movie and had a copy of it, and I loved it, and cherish it, and if you can find it, watch it. It tends, tends to get draggy, parts of it do, but some other stuff you see exactly what you were going to see in Airplane, and it was just shtick and shtick and shtick. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are going to ask you to stick around. After this break, we will bring you back the interview that Bruce Levine and Zach Zabman did with Steve Stone on Inside the Clubhouse. That'll take you up till 2 o'clock on today's version of Saturday Suckage. I want to thank you all for listening. He's Mike Esposito, back, new and improved, and he'll be gone again, I'm sure, because that's the way Saturday Suckage works. So thanks, Espo, and thanks, thank uh, Stacy, the multi-hued one, for keeping the kids out of your, your, door, your basement door without a lock. Glad to be here. Good to be back. Good to talk to everybody, and uh, Saturday Suckage is always a favorite, so... Thanks, Trash Panda. You're welcome. All right. Anytime. Uh, Thanks, everyone who listened, and we successfully avoided phone calls again this week. So we're (laughs) we're running quite a streak. 
<laughs> Rosenblum and Esposito. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Earlier today on The Score, as it is every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., inside the clubhouse, Bruce Levine, and today with Zach Zayman, they welcomed in Steve Stone. Here's that conversation. Bruce, we've got another heavy hitter from the south side. One of the greatest analysts in the history of baseball for TV and radio, our good friend Steve Stone joining us uh, on Inside the Clubhouse. Steve, welcome, and uh, I'm looking forward to a baseball season 12 days from now. I'm sure you are as well. I really am because truly, Bruce, I mean, they say it every year, and it is true. Uh, anything can happen, but this year it's especially true because anything can happen. You could have teams. I, mean, I remember the 2006 Cardinals. They won uh, 83 games and won the World Series. The 87 Twins, who maybe were the worst World Series uh, champions ever, if you're looking at run differential. So, this is a year where a team that nobody thought had a chance starts getting out early. They start believing in themselves, and all of a sudden you find them in the playoffs. They get a couple of hot pitchers. They get a run going. And I think you're going to see some things this year that you might never see again, but it's going to make this season uh, terribly entertaining. Stoney, what, what in particular do you mean when you say things uh, that we've never seen before? As a baseball man, what kind of strikes you about what could happen in a 60-game season? You could see a guy hitting 400. Uh, that's certainly conceivable. We have some guys who are able to do it for short periods of time. And when you, when you want to lift out 60-game segments from any particular season, you see some eye-popping stats that you won't see over 162. I always say in 162 games, there are very few aberrations. Uh, usually, the best team in the division wins. The best hitters start to rise to the top. The best pitchers over the course of a year, you find them at the top of that. But uh, with 60 games, truly, you can find uh, a hitter getting off to a really good start, and all of a sudden you find that uh, he's either leading the league in home runs or he's, uh, he's doing some things that you never thought. I mean, you look at the last couple of seasons, and you'll find over – a 60-game stretch, if you if you pull it out, you'll see some guys hitting uh, 26, 27, even 28 home runs over a 60-game period. You normally wouldn't see a whole lot of that, but now, you know, you might lead the league. You might get a guy who gets hot. You lead the league uh, where a guy couldn't possibly do it over the long stretch because pitchers will catch up to hitters. They might not be able to catch up to hitters this early this year. So that's why I think uh, – Although it's not going to be ideal and everybody says, well, it's not going to matter. It's this, it's that. There's a lot of people that are going to tell you what's wrong with this particular incarnation of the 2020 season. But there's going to be other people who welcome back the game of baseball, understand these are unique times, and baseball is trying to make do to put an entertaining product on the field with a safety-first approach. And I personally want to get back to baseball. I mean, as delightful as it's been to sit around and do nothing, I think coming back to baseball is going to be good for a whole lot of people. And certainly I am really looking forward to, uh, to watching games and to, uh, to working with my partner, Jason Benetti. Steve, uh, thinking back to 1981 and then to 1995, uh, truncated seasons of the past, and the challenges of pitchers getting ready rather quickly, what do the White Sox and the other 29 teams have to be uh, cognizant of when uh, getting their pitchers ready uh, in this three-week period now to uh, do uh, even a 60-game season? Because it's uh, 63, 60 games in 63 days. Well, Bruce, I see fastballers having a big advantage. So the guys with hard-throwing pitching staffs probably will have a big advantage over the other guys. The reason being that it usually takes a pitcher, I don't know, three weeks or so, maybe a little bit longer into the season. I'm not even talking about the three weeks of spring training, but three weeks a little bit longer into the season to really tighten up those curveballs and sliders to get the best spin possible. Sure, you're going to be able to throw a good curveball, but you're not going to be able to throw one nine out of ten times. You're going to be able to throw it maybe 
seven out of ten times because building up arm strength is something that takes a while and it's not necessarily the strength of velocity because velocity comes from the shoulder movement both in a slider and a curveball and a sinker and that comes from the elbow essentially and so it takes a little bit longer to have a, a consistent breaking ball to be able to throw it for strikes when you want to and understand you know a, um, a poorly located fastball sometimes uh, you can miss with it and still get some people out but a hanging curveball they don't get a lot of people out and so i'm thinking that the white Sox have an advantage they got some guys that throw pretty hard and i think they'll have an advantage early plus one of the things that they have to be aware of and that's one of the reasons why um you know losing michael kopech although it is a blow for the white Sox, probably the best thing for him because getting ready as quickly as he can knowing how long he spent away from the game it probably he's better served not not trying to speed things up and get ready to go this year so you know every team will have different challenges nobody knows how many people are going to test positive in the course of a season and understand if you're laid off for two weeks in a 60 game season it's 25 percent of the season so it's hard to predict who's going to step up who's not maybe it could be as easy as the team has to get lucky in not having the positive tests and injuries to players that they really count on. Because if you're put on a shelf for any reason in a short season, it's devastating. That's an excellent point. Visiting with Steve Stone here on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Stoney, I, I want to go back to what you were saying about Kopech because the fan reaction has been all over the map uh, in regard to his decision. And you said it earlier, we are living in unique times, and I don't think it's fair to criticize uh, a player for electing to sit out in the climate that we're in. I'm kind of surprised that so few players have elected to sit out now, and I don't know how it's going to be moving forward. But everyone has a personal decision about, number one, um, their health, uh, physical health as far as performing is concerned. If they're coming back from injuries, can they come back and, and gear it up soon enough? But also from a, uh, you know, from a pragmatic standpoint is uh, COVID-19 hanging out there and the health for not only them but for their families. It's a very personal decision. And that's why I think you'll see every organization when any of their players opt out they're going to say, you know, we support him 100%. We look forward to having him in, in uh, 2021. Um, but again, this is a decision that, that they have to make solely uh, by themselves, but with considerations of their family involved. You know, there's multi-generational homes. Not everybody lives in their own home. Some people still live in, in homes where you have not only parents, but maybe grandparents, one of them living in that home. And that's something to take into consideration. So. I, I don't think it's fair for fans. The fans, of course, are going to criticize uh, any of the players because they criticize everything anyway, not only fans, but just people. Uh, they criticize things, and that's okay. That, that's fine. They have a right to certainly, but I can't hold it against any player who makes a decision for his own health and the health of his family to decide to opt out this year. Steve Stone with us, uh, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Zach Zaidman. I'm Bruce Levine. This is Inside the Clubhouse, presented 52 weeks out of the year, every Saturday from 9 to 11 on The Score. Steve, what are fair expectations from Luis Robert? Um, I know you haven't gotten to see him much alive. But I know you saw him a little bit in spring training, as we all did. Saw him a lot on tape and in games that were uh, sent back to Chicago from his minor league career. But, uh, you know, going Ken Griffey, going Willie Mays with him, uh, with the tool set that he has, what's, what's fair going into his first year? I don't think anybody can tell you that, Bruce. Um, uh, what's fair is the fact that the sky is the limit as far as his ability. But there's a long road before you get great tools and Willie Mays in the same sentence or great tools and Ken Griffey in the same sentence. I mean, <laughs> First of all, we don't know how strong his mind is going to be. We don't know how fragile or durable he's going to be. So you have to start with great tools, and he has that. That's not going to be a problem because I did watch him in spring training. You know, he's got a magnificent arm. He's very fast. He's big. He's strong. He's got everything you would need. 
he, he tortured minor league pitchers. So can he get off quickly? Yeah. I assume he can get off very quickly. And one of the reasons is I don't think the tightness of the breaking ball is going to affect him early in the season. I think he's going to see a lot of fastballs. I think that most hitters will. And, you know, we've seen a lot of guys start off very quickly, Bruce, and uh, all of a sudden the league catches up to them, and suddenly they start seeing lots and lots of breaking balls. I mean, Eloy Jimenez was that way. Uh, after he just obliterated some fastballs, he started seeing nothing but curveballs, many of them in the dirt. And he was swinging at all of them. And he was swinging at face-high fastballs. And then all of a sudden he decided, you know what, I can't really hit those pitches, so I have to lay off them. Then he did, and he started really stinging the ball again. So if you look at, if you look at the skills of Eloy Jimenez, who's just a wonderfully talented player, and then look at the skill set that Lewis Robert has, Robert does just about everything uh, a little bit better than Eloy. Now, will he be as good a hitter? I don't really know. But he's faster. His arm is much better. He's quicker. He has all of those things. But Eloy was able to adjust very quickly. Eloy is a smart person, and he's a smart player. And he realized what pitchers were starting to do to him. Now, granted, he had a longer time to adjust. But I think Lewis Roberts is going to be a star. I don't think there's anything can stop him from being a star except one thing. And that's his body. If his body starts to break down, he's not going to achieve what we all believe he's going to. And that's something that you can't predict. We know as a young player he had some physical problems. But as you get older many times and you get used to a professional season, a long professional season, some guys, many guys, uh, they their bodies adjust to it and they don't get hurt near as much. And hopefully that's the case with Robert. But, you know, as far as uh, the, 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 the ceiling, the ceiling's unlimited. And Steve, every baseball expert we talk to says the same thing that you just said about Robert. And we're in the business, and you hear it on sports radio. You, you'll read it in in different columns uh, across the board. Everyone likes to compare. That's what we do. That's what makes sports fun. Mm-hmm. When you watch him, what's the comparison that you make based on the skills that you've seen? What's a fair comparison? Okay, so let let's think back. To the recent past and maybe a guy that's pretty familiar in uh, in uh, Chicago and the first name that comes to my mind because I saw him as a young player and then I saw him as an older player and then I saw him restart his career when he came to Chicago Andre Dawson comes to mind because Andre had a great arm and Andre could really run and he could hit the ball a long way now I think Robert has a chance to be a better hitter a better pure hitter than uh, than Andre Dawson was but as far as a slugger and as far as a defender and everything else, Andre Dawson comes to mind when I think of Lewis Robert. But Robert is faster than Andre was, and Andre could run. I mean, there are very few guys in this league who could run with Lewis Robert in a flat-out sprint. He's, he's just a magnificently gifted athlete. And I'm hoping for the sake of Lewis Robert, the sake of the White Sox, and the sake of baseball, because we want to see superstars in this league. I'm hoping that he's able to stay together. I'm hoping that he's able to achieve what we think he can and take potential, take vast potential and turn it into vast performance that nobody can really answer. So when Steve Stone was coming up as a young pitcher, he had great uh, pitching coaches and, and managers. But if Steve Stone didn't get the job done on the field, uh, he was going to go back to the minor leagues. Now, uh, you have a situation like with Ronaldo Lopez, who had a, a tremendous season, uh, even though the wins weren't there, uh, which he didn't have control of in 2018. Last year, just uh, came off, you know, the, the, the wheels came off totally. He talked about going to mental skills uh, people this year and improving that. Is that uh, one of the bigger differences in baseball these days compared to when you played and the ability of people to uh, relate to the individual and getting his mind as strong as his physical tools are. Well, that's one of the the great differences, Bruce, because although we've really refined the physical aspect, I mean, you go into a training room and you look at what these guys are going through and you see um, just how skilled all of these strength coaches and the and, and the uh, and the regular, you know, your your uh, your people in your clubhouse, all the trainers and what they do, um, that's really 
made quantum leaps from when I played. However, the biggest improvement is in the mental aspect of competition. And for Ronaldo, physically, he's got everything you'd really need. And I think he had a tendency to wander mentally. And there are ways to fix that. There are people who can help you do that. I had to devise a system myself because although I saw a few of them, nobody put together a package that said, okay, if you do A, B, C, D, E, and F, G is winning. G is a fine performance. You just do the first five or six things and, and great performance will follow. Well, I was able to do that, and I started it in the middle of 1979 to the end of 1980. I still had a good arm. I hadn't been injured yet, uh, you know, seriously injured. And so um, I, I employed it starting after the All-Star break in 1979 through the 1980 season. And I made 50 5-0 starts, and I lost seven times. So in 50 starts with seven losses, um, I think you can see that it really helped me. But also, I felt, as I think Ronaldo feels and everybody who's in the major leagues feels, uh, except maybe if you're Verlander or Cole or some of the greats, um, I felt there was a better pitcher in there. I couldn't understand how to get him out. And I had to devise a way that I felt would find that better pitcher. Maybe he wasn't there, but I was hoping he wasn't. It turned out he was, but it was it was strictly a set, as I describe it, of mental gymnastics. And now we have so many people doing that. Lucas Giolito talked about it a lot. Dylan Cease talks about it a lot. There are people that can help you do this. And for me, it was a game changer. It completely turned my career around. I was under 500 when I started this. And the streak that I went on was something that, you know, most pitchers are not capable of doing. I didn't know if I was capable of doing it. I thought maybe, you know, something close, but not like that. And the only thing I changed was the mental approach to the game. And if Ronaldo has sought out and he talks about seeking out somebody to help him, <clears throat> I think he's got a chance to be um, a really good pitcher because, you know, when you can throw 97 to 99 miles an hour consistently, you have as good a changeup as he has, and you can occasionally locate that slider. I think you're talking about a guy with a chance to be something special. Now we have to see if his mind is going to allow him to do that. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.